Thank you for tuning in again, y'all. This is shooting the shit. Uh, Mike is not here again this week. I did send him an invite, but he is super busy. So uh, we do have uh, my other co-host, uh, It's Millar Time, and then we are interviewing our guest, uh, Christian, today. And I don't know if it's more of an interview or just uh, a kind of powwow session with a fellow YouTuber and gun person. So um Let's get into Brownells has affiliate links down in the description. If you go check out the description of the podcast, we're going to talk about a lot of Brownells products today from the BRN 180 to a lot of other stuff. And then I know it's Millar time has some news for you guys. Um, if he decides to share that at some point in the podcast and then, um, yeah, that was it. And, uh, let's see, let's, uh, bring in Christian and, um, Millar and let's see what's going on. How you doing, Christian? Hey, how's it going? So introduce yourself. Yeah, so uh, Christian Grest. Um, I run a small YouTube channel and Instagram and, uh, you know, just a regular gun guy, like uh, tinkering with stuff and, um, you know, working on projects and helping other folks out and learning and sharing knowledge and that sort of thing. Uh, prior military, um, spent uh, almost 10 years in the Navy and I got out of the Navy and, uh, you know, I couldn't do a lot with firearms while I was in. So as soon as I got out, I, you know, dove right into that stuff. And, um, you know, just uh, everything, every project is a, a new adventure and just uh, continue learning and, and just have a great time. You know, same with the YouTube stuff. I started my YouTube channel. It's probably been about four years or so now. Um, I've just uh, been learning how to edit and do all that stuff and met a lot of great people and, yeah, so it's been a, a quite the quite the adventure for sure. All right, Malar, what's up with you? Uh, you know, same old working on builds. Uh, responding to this email I just told you about that I apparently had an exposure to COVID nineteen. <laughs> um, but yeah, just uh, I'm, I keep waffling on what to order for this uh, AR nine build that I'm working on. Um, yeah. I'm dealing with the same i mean i really just need a grip but i also and we're you know we we're i know we're going to talk about uh the aluma hide that is that's in my cart so i'm looking forward to discussing the aluma hide because that is in my cart and maybe christian can just push me over the edge to hit the submit button <laughs> do it do it and bake it i mean that was the best thing that i did with that was i baked it and it's i feel like it's almost as strong as cerakote at this point um <clears throat> so christian so you do bake it though? I did. Yeah. I baked it 300, 280, 300 for two hours and it was oh, hard okay. as a rock. So it yeah. was pretty good. I, and I, then, I baked mine as well. Uh, 250 ish for, for a couple hours. Uh, yeah. Typically is good enough. Yeah. I think oh, 250, wow. I think I went a little overkill with how hot it was, but it did pretty good. Uh, my wife was a little annoyed at the, um, the smell in the kitchen, but other than that, she, <laughs> she'll get over it. Um, so you're building an AR9. I'm building an AR9, and I hate every part of it. And then I don't know what uh, Christian. Do you have any any experience with AR9s? So I just finished up a uh, Air Precision EPC9. Mm -hmm. uh, that was actually my very first uh, AR9 platform build, and I actually built it for my brother. Um, and now <laughs> now I'm itching to build my own. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it was pretty straightforward. Um, it wasn't uh, too bad. I, of course, I used all aero precision parts for the most part. 
uh, you know, at least the uh, core components. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I like PCCs. I kind of got on the PCC kick a few years back with my CZ Scorpion and it's kind of snowballed. So I had yet to build a nine millimeter AR. So it was pretty cool when I came across the opportunity to do that. And it just sucked to go through all that work and then give it away, <laughs> give it to my brother, but you know, it was for a good cause. So. Well, uh, Malar will tell you that I absolutely hate PCCs with a passion and a fiery burning hell. I can't stand them. So, uh, and I, I don't understand what their niche is whatsoever. I mean, it, you have a handgun and you have a rifle and then you took the worst of both of them and put them together. So I have no idea <laughs> why, but sure. I just got a thousand rounds of nine millimeter. It's supposed to be here tomorrow from Brownells. Um, so I'm hoping that will, uh, I think I picked it up for 392 for a thousand rounds of the Magtech. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't upset at that. And I was actually surprised with Brownell stating that their shipping times were the way they were right now. I was surprised they got it out the door, how quickly they did. Cause I ordered it yesterday and it's supposed to be here tomorrow. And it's actually, if I check the tracking, I'm pretty sure it's already here in Texas. So have, have you learned the trick and i'm not sure you know i don't know if i should make this public but uh, i've found if you order ammo from anywhere if you put that in the cart i guess because it's hazardous it comes a lot faster so i'll throw like one box of ammo in an order and those orders are there fast really i would have yes. never known that because every yes. time i've ever ordered ammo it's always taken like 10 days to get here now, oh, this no, is the I, first time it's actually hit in two days yeah, I, if I order, and and I'm referring to, uh, like, I, I've ordered uh, 556 off Midway before, and when I ordered from them, if it, it, like, if I just ordered a part that I was, like, on the hunt for, it would take, like, seven to ten days, but if, if I threw just one box of ammo in there, I'd have it in, like, four days, and it's the same with Brownells, so I'm pretty sure that's, like, a, a secret. But now, now, now everyone that listens to our podcast will know this secret. Now you've screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I do the uh, Edge program with Brownell, so I typically have my stuff in like two days. Well, I'm pissed because I went to go renew my Edge program, which is up next month on like the 20-somethingth. And uh, they're not, that you can't buy it right now. So I'm like, I was, I had it in my cart like the day before, like on 327, when Brownells kind of sent everybody like the thing and I was like, hey, we're, um, we're going to be doing this. We're suspending a few things right now because we're rebuilding the website, blah, 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 um, and doing all that. And then all of a sudden I had it in my cart and I literally went to check out and it was like, no, you cannot complete this purchase. And I was like, what? Like, why can't I complete this purchase? So then I went back and I saw my cart and it was like, your cart is empty. So I went, I was like, what? Okay. So I went back and typed in the edge program and it, and they were like currently unavailable for order. And I was like, this sucks. So I still have a month left over a month actually, but it kind of sucks because I really like the edge program and I really wanted to come back. And then I was very happy when Brownell says it's coming back. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I just placed an order recently and uh, I couldn't even select the uh, edge shipping. So probably has something to do with the website changes, I guess. But my, my shipping was still free on mine. Yeah, it yeah, still my, comes my, through. My shipping free. was, my, mine was free, but I couldn't select the two-day edge shipping. Uh, so it's probably just because they're shipping. super busy. Yeah, I, I signed up for edge, I don't know, eight months ago or something. Uh, I've been loving it. 
I definitely love the, uh, the two day shipping. Um, a lot of times, like if I'm going out to my, my dad's where I mainly shoot, like I'll ship stuff out there and pick it up. If I know I'm heading out there, um, and I can plan it that way versus like not having two day, you're just reliant on it arriving whenever. That's the problem though. Like you have, if you have the edge program, what's weird though, is it did send my order to my old email that I originally had on file. And now I'm like, that's weird. Like, why did it go to my old email? But yeah, I checked the tracking and it's here in Texas. So I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised at that. Nothing ever comes as quickly. <laughs> so <laughs> the problem, uh, that was my only issue with the, with the edge program. I love the edge program. I love the free shipping and it was totally cool, but most stuff never comes in two days. So I, I have a feeling it will probably be Monday by the time it gets here. If it's typical of, of, uh, FedEx because FedEx is good in my area, but only once it gets into Texas, like everything between here, between Brownells and, and here kind of sucks. And then once it gets into Texas, it works a lot quicker, but yeah, no, it was, it was bad. So <clears throat> AR nines, I want to cover up one more thing with you that I've been highly interested in for since they've introduced it. This is the BRN 180. Um, can you let the listeners in on what the BRN 180 is if they don't know about it and what's so special about it? And then um, what you did to it with the Illumahide, because I know you have one that you, you Illumahide it. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the BRN 180 is a piston-driven upper assembly. Uh, it's, it's loosely or kind of based off the old uh, AR-18 uh, design. And um, so Brown has kind of brought it back, but with some modern touches and it's got an M-lock handguard and you can get it in 300 blackout, uh, five, five, six, and, and coming soon, I think you can still pre-order it the 762 by 39, which was kind of a, a, a request of those. Um, and it's a side charging um, piston driven upper. It's got adjustable gas for it. So if you run suppressed like I do, you, you can uh, adjust your gas a little bit for uh, running suppressed or unsuppressed, that sort of thing. And it's just a really cool upper for your AR platform that's quite a bit different. The other nice thing about it is that the upper receiver itself has uh, captured recoil springs that are in the upper. So the bolt itself um, is short and it allows you to run a side folding stock or, or brace on it. So that's the other really appealing thing for most folks. Uh, so I did a pistol build. I did a 300 blackout, uh, 10 and a half inch. I, I'm planning on doing another one, probably a 16 inch 223. I shot one when I visited Brownells back in July of last year. And um, I'm super I really jealous of you for that, by the so, way. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty, pretty awesome trip. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, uh, man, it's just a cool upper, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot different from what you I mean, everybody has ARs. I mean, a lot of us have a ton of ARs and it's just different. It shoots really smooth. Um, it's got kind of a little bit of that nostalgic look to it, uh, but yet it has the modern flair of the M-Lock handguard and stuff like that. And it's kind of a narrow handguard too. So it's not like real beefy, um, which uh, I know with the piston, some people have wrapped theirs to kind of, you know, uh, buffer their hands from the heat that the handguard gets if you're doing a lot of extended shooting they just didn't know about gloves 
Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> how um, uh, have you shot that suppressed too? How? Uh, cause, oh yeah. And maybe I I haven't played with a piston gun, but I've heard uh, piston guns can be quieter. Is my understanding? I don't know how much quieter it was. Um, uh, you know, I was running some reloads through it and stuff, and then some factory ammo as well. Um, and I haven't shot in a little bit. I, I'm actually due to take it out to the range. I, I need to go this weekend. I have a build I just finished up for uh, my brother-in-law, and um, you know, I need to probably you know go do some test firing. So maybe I'll I'll bring the the BRN a, along just to uh, kind of shoot through it. But uh, but yeah, I don't know that it was any smoother because 300 blackout is not like especially if you shoot subsonics like 200 grains or whatnot like i shoot um it, it's pretty smooth anyways it just doesn't have a very you know stout recoil impulse um you know like a like a you know a 762 by 39 or something like that would have um but it's uh it's definitely um you know if somebody's looking for something different uh, with a little bit of that nostalgic retro fair, uh, flair, as well as some modern touches, uh, that's really reliable and, and accurate. The BRN 180 really fits that, that niche. I mean, nobody else is doing anything quite like that. I mean, you can go buy a PWS piston upper, uh, you know, there's other people that make piston uppers, but they're just, they look like an AR. <laughs> we'll say, I will say the PWS Mark 116 Pro is the heaviest upper I've ever put on a gun in my life. That thing had at least three quarters of the weight of the moon built into it. And I I loved the gun. It was great to suppress, especially as someone who shoots left-handed. It was fantastic. But the, I mean, it, fuck, that thing was heavy. I mean, good Lord. I remember just doing some reloads and I, I, I'm not bragging by any means. I'm not like the world's best person, but like I, I can normally hold a standard like 16 inch or 14.5 AR with a bunch of shit on the front end of it. No problem when I do a reload. But I remember that thing literally like nose diving. Like when I was trying to reload, I was just like, God, this thing is fucking heavy. And and I, I loved it. But at the same time, I was like, nope, I want nothing to do with it. Now I had someone who was willing to pay me what I paid for it to, to get it. So I was like, screw it. It's yours. Like have at it. And, uh, I was, uh, that's how I bought my, uh, aim point that I put on my 13, nine that I just got back. Um, but no, I, I, I want the one, I want the, uh, 16 inch of the BRN 180, but I don't know how heavy it is. Like they say that it's not super heavy, but it still looks like it'd be a chunky bitch. Do you, do you know how heavy it was? I, I don't recall it being uh, the 16 inch I shot um, didn't appear to be overly heavy to me. Now, if you hang a suppressor on the end of it, you know, you, you're definitely going to add some weight. Um, and I think probably why it doesn't seem so heavy is because you're losing some mass in the bolt carrier assembly because it's, it's like half, half the, the, I mean, I should weigh that. I should actually take that thing out and weigh it and just see how much weight difference I, that thing is between a standard 16 inch. Well, when I get a 16 inch, um, or I do have a, I actually have a 10 and a half inch, uh, 300 blackout, uh, you know, standard, uh, direct impingement. So maybe I'll do kind of some weight comparisons there, but, um, do you have the gen one or I, the gen two? I have the gen two. I have okay. the VRN 180 S. Yeah. 
So I got that because I got it um, last spring. So I've, I guess I've had it right around a year and um, I built it and then I decided, hey, I'm going to go and, you know, do the aluminum thing. So, um, you know, then I, I had to rip it all apart again. So that was, uh, you know, a lot of fun. But um, I but feel bad because you're like one of like the three people I know in the BOP group that we're in. And I and I only know of you because of your YouTube channel. But it's like all these guys will post up like their Friday night thing, like, oh, hey, like happy Friday, guys, like Bureau of Propaganda. And my name will be in there. And I don't know half those people. Like, I know I've talked to them a couple of times and I'm like, who are you? And why are you putting me in your story? Because I don't know who you are. <laughs> like, and I want to talk to them and say, you know, like, what's up? But um, there's a few of them that have like the BRN180s. And I've always been like tempted to just like, send them a dm like be like hey how much does that upper weigh and but then i feel like they'd be like why don't you just go look on brownells like <laughs> like because i want to know like what it weighs like with a light on the front of it because i, I want to get one especially in 16 inch but i don't i like i don't want to get it and then not be happy with it and i and like I'm, i don't know i'm really weird about guns like especially with the pws i was a little pissed off that it was as heavy as it was now, granted, that was the pro. I hear that the 116 are the 116 and the 114 are uh, the non pro version, like the Mod 2, I believe. They're very light. They're a lot lighter than the pro by like, I think like a pound and a half or something like that. So I'm very interested in piston guns and I love piston guns and I've shot some of them, but I just, I don't, I don't want a 16 inch version that's going to annoy the piss out of me. But um, the 10, the 10 and a half inch looks really nice, but I wish they made it in like a 12.5. If they made it in a 12.5, I'd have bought it like four months ago. Um, because either the 11.5 or the 12.5, I just feel is better for 5.56. I really do feel like it's better for 5.56. If they're going to make a 5.56, I didn't understand why they only went with a 10 and a half. I mean, your weight question, honestly, that's a really good question. I hadn't really thought about that, but you're eliminating... I mean, your buffer spring, your buffer, your buffer spring. Yeah, but I'm I mean, talking about like I'm, front end weight because you're adding a piston system on the front end. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of like the overall though because you're shaving a lot off of the back. I mean, a lot of people aren't running standard stocks either. So it's, I feel like there's a good amount of weight savings there. Yeah, and I would say the uh, handguard being as narrow as it is probably shaves a little bit of weight too. I mean, not a ton, maybe a couple ounces. Um, but but yeah, that's a great question. I I, I I'm curious as well. I, I like I said, the 16 inch I fired at when I visited Brownells. I don't remember it being, and I shot it standing. I got some video of that uh, uh, from way back when I visited there. I'm pretty sure I I put a clip or two of me shooting the uh, the 16 inch BRN 180, but. Um, I don't remember it being overly heavy, but that's that's a uh, definitely a valid consideration. Um, I will tell you the Brownells exclusive Geisley rifle I have. When I add everything on that, it's heavy. <laughs> it just seems heavy to me. So I love that gun, though. I love the look of that gun. The color, the colors are just perfect. That was me. the green and tan one, correct? Yep. It it, it was. So when I shot a pre release version of that back in in july and they told me they were like hey this is a new kind of package we're going to be offering 
And, um, and I was kind of waiting for it to come out and, um, and it, it was released. I was like, damn, I can't get it. Um, and I had to wait for a while. And then, um, you know, December, I got an affiliate letter and they were saying, Hey, we don't expect these to last uh, a super long amount of time. And they went on sale. Uh, so I went ahead and snagged one, but they're, they still have them. They were just on sale again. So I don't know if they ordered more. I'm not really sure what the, you know, because of, course that's you know coming from geisley so that's some sort of thing with geisley and uh i've had some folks on the geisley groups ask say well what makes it different you know and i'm like well it comes with the flip up geisley sites it's the two-tone colors you know so i don't know i mean it's it's basically everything you get on a super duty anyway it's just the color scheme is a little different than what you you know because i think through geisley you can get one that's all green uh, but you can't get one that's so yeah you could buy the parts and buy you know and swap stuff out whatever but this comes already ready to rock and it's an awesome rifle i mean it shoots real good the trigger is phenomenal on it um that's that rifle is one of those i think that you can uh go to war with and it, it would you know run through anything um i'll never use it to its full capabilities for sure but it's it's definitely a nice piece and i, I just had to have it <laughs> i my buddy has um one of the black super duties and I, I shot that thing and that was the first time, I think that was the first time I'd used a, a Geisley trigger. Um, and I know uh, Hoodlum's not too huge on, on Geisley, but uh, that was the first time that I had used one of those triggers. I was pretty impressed. Um, I actually wound up buying the um, SSAX, the government contract trigger, because it was the closest thing that they offered to that trigger um, and that's what I'm gonna end up putting on that Sons of Liberty scalper build. I still gotta throw that lower together. Um, but I'm excited to run that. Uh, a little bummed that Geisley, shortly after I bought the trigger, then released the actual SSAX that's on the Super Duty. But <laughs> but you know, the contract trigger is cool. Yeah, I think they uh, you know they had a lot of folks wanting that trigger. Uh, to be available separate from the rifle so um, I'll, I'll be honest I, I shot Geisley triggers before and while they were always very impressive I, I had a hard time justifying how much they wanted for the majority of them um, so I run a crap ton of LaRue MBT2S's um, I mean that's like I mean if you're not wanting to spend a stupid amount of money for a hundred bucks I, I don't think you can and the machining and everything I think it rivals Geisley. Um, I'm surprised they don't charge much more. The only problem with those triggers is that typically you got to buy, you have to buy them from LaRue and you have to wait. You place your order and you wait. Uh, matter of fact, I probably should have had one on order because I'm always using those triggers for people's builds and for my own builds. And it's like my, it's like my go-to everything. And it's a two stage. They make a single stage. I have not tried that. Um, I kind of like the control, the two stage. Um, Matter of fact, the build I just finished, I think I mentioned it to you, uh, Miller, um, the um, uh, build I'm doing for my brother-in-law, I put that uh, rapid fire Geisley in there um, and it's got, man, that trigger is so light. I don't know. I, it's That's what the, my the Brownells exclusive, wanted. right? Yeah the, yeah. the rapid fire, it was like, yeah. whatever, $189 or something. Um, yep. And it's, I felt it. I was like, man, I don't know if I could run this trigger. Cause I don't, I don't feel like I have, I know it's made for competition shooting, like, you know, three gun, like fast shooting. And I get that. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's just hard going from a two stage, like really crisp 
controllable trigger that you can you can fire fast but you have the accuracy portion of it that if you want to be precise you can um, and also coming from service rifle competition where that's what we use in our, our you know 20 inch um, ARs uh, or we didn't use LaRue actually mine's are, are two stage rock rivers but um, the LaRue's are better than the rock rivers in my opinion um, you know it's it's hard to go to a trigger that basically you feel like damn all i gotta do is sh- all i can do with it is shoot it really fast but if i want to like you know make groups i'm kind of screwed <laughs> that was uh that was one of the reasons i went with that ss excuse me the ssax government uh, trigger was because with that one they offered the 3.5 spring and then they also offered and i might have the weight slightly off but i think it was 3.5 and like 5.5 so they had like a standard mill spec um weight and then they had like more of the the lightweight that you find on a lot of their triggers like that rapid fire um and i'm i'm used to running mil spec triggers so when i saw that they offered the heavier one i was like i'm gonna pay that little bit extra so i have options here whether i want to go light or i want to go heavy yeah for sure and and larue um they also send two springs they 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 send a duty spring and they they offer a lighter spring for Non, but honestly, I run the lighter spring in that, and I'd have no problem, you know, uh, using that in a in a duty rifle. So, um, if you haven't tried out a Larue trigger, you, you owe it yourself to try it at least once. I mean, there's always the Geisley, you know, battle between Geisley and Larue. But I mean, I've shot both, and and I've I think I have five Larue MBT two S's in my personal builds, and then everybody that I ever do a build for, um, that has, is cost conscious at all, but wants a nice trigger, I typically steer them in that direction and nobody's been disappointed. So. I think I got to handle one of those once when a friend was over. Um, but I cannot remember which model it was. It was a a LaRue and it was a two stage. So it's probably, probably the one you're referring to. Yeah, most um, likely. I don't think they make any other. They make the MBT 2S and they make a straight bow and a curved bow and all of mine are curved bow. I may get to do a straight bow at some point. Um, and then they do make, they came out later, like two, maybe within the last few years, they came out with a single stage. I've never tried it just because I like the, the, the two stage is nice because if you kind of, you know, hold, you know, you got your first stage, your second stage, and if you just don't let the release all the way out, you can actually fire that thing really fast um, so, without too much effort. I was hearing everything you guys are talking about, but apparently Zoom decided that since I have three people, that it is a meeting and I have to, I, I have to pay for more than 40 minutes of a meeting. So uh, so that's fun. Anyway, um, I, I paid for it. So now we have a limited recording meeting. So there we go. And <laughs> um the the thing I want to talk touch about is uh you have the curve bow on the Larue. I love the Larue triggers. I used to have the single stage, the MBT single stage, um, and I mean it was fantastic. And then I sold it to a friend, going, "Oh, I'll go get another one." Blah blah blah. He wanted it like right then. Well, then um, like COVID hit, like not even a month later, and I was like, "Great." So now, and then once that happened, once they sold out of their stock online, like you haven't been able to find it in like two years, like they're unobtainium right now. Like there are guys charging like 500 bucks for a LaRue single stage on like Gunbroker and stuff. It is stupid. Uh, But I I will say, go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say, I mean, I, what I've done in the past is normally I just place an order with LaRue for stuff, not the single stage. I haven't placed an order for that, but I just let it run until they, you know, ship it out, you know, and typically it's been, uh, if you look on the LaRue section of air15.com, typically you can see like when people are placing their orders and when they're getting stuff shipped and you can kind of gauge if it's a four week wait or a six week wait or whatever. But typically I try to order them when I don't need them so that I have them when I do need them, if that makes any sense. And I, and that, that does make a lot of sense. My thing is, is I want like a straight, a straight bow duty trigger. Cause I have my POF three and a half pound single stage and it's a, it's a flat face trigger. And I absolutely love that trigger has like no reset. And I, I mean, I can shoot wicked quick with that thing. Um, but I want one that's kind of like a duty trigger. Like I wish ALG made a flat face trigger because they make excellent triggers. I mean, they're, their triggers are phenomenal um, for what you're paying for $70 or 60 bucks. Um, you can find them on sale. I think uh, primary arms every once in a while has a sale for like 50 bucks for, for that trigger, the ALG ACT trigger. And uh, they're great. But the problem is, is I want one that's a flat face and they make the flat face in the ALG a AKT trigger, the advanced there, the AK tactical trigger whatever that's like the alg but for the ak they make that in a semi-flat face like the ssax trigger but they don't make it in the ar platform so i'm a little annoyed at that but i will say i don't think that the geisley triggers are worth it in my opinion because i when you run a larue and then you run a geisley the larue seems like their 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 quality is the same and i know you already said that but um uh, to me, it just, I'm not, I'm not getting it now. I'm not, I'm not crapping on Geisley. I've done enough of that on my YouTube channel. Um, so <laughs> uh, I, my question is you've, you have a few of the Geisley triggers, uh, Millar. So what, like in your opinion, maybe you I only have this. the one. Oh, you, I thought you had a couple. No, I'm running. Most of my builds are all mill spec. And uh, I'm, I'm running uh, like unbranded AR, uh, what is it, their ELG triggers in, I don't know, four different builds. Uh, and they're standard mil spec triggers, but I, I believe they're laser cut. So they, it's like really smooth. Um, they're pretty smooth trigger pull for a, a mil spec trigger compared to like my first build that had a DPMS in it. <clears throat> But yeah, so, the this will be the first time I ever use a Geisley trigger will be that SSAX. Uh, and I only invested that much in because of how impressed I was with the the trigger in the Super Duty. So Christian, you run you run uh Geisley, right? Or no, you just in your just in your rifle. I I uh have only bought one Geisley trigger, but it came with a rifle. Yeah. Yeah, it came with that that Brownells exclusive one, which, by the way, I am highly jealous of because that is their OD green, but it's not the dark OD green. It's like the light, the lighter vert. It almost looks like the forty millimeter, correct? It, it, it's a uh, yeah, it, and it's an anodized uh, OD green, so it's it's pretty slick looking. Like it has a little bit different sheen depending on the light hitting and stuff. So it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. <laughs> I gotta admit, I, I've been pretty happy with it. So I, I was gonna say I am super jealous of yours, um, of your Geisley. Uh, so, so can you kind of go over what's in that build for us all? Um, 
it, it, well, it's basically Geisley Super Duty, but it's, you know, the, the heart of it is the OD green, you know, the buffer tube, the receiver set, the uh, rail and stuff. It's a 16 inch. Um, and then the, uh, the, it comes with a B5 stock and then the Geisley grip. Um, those are in uh, what FDE, I guess, or whatever desert dirt color, whatever Geisley calls their tan stuff. Their DDC. Um, it, yeah, and then uh, it's got the um, the handguard uh, grip panels that are also in that color. Um, I added um, oh, and the charging handle is an Airborne Geisley uh, that's in the DDC, which I run a lot of Geisley parts. I had never had a full you know, Geisley, um, uh, rifle. So that, that was my first, I just, I love to build. I don't like to buy complete rifles. This I don't one I like, had to make an exception for. I don't like buying complete rifles either. That's my, that's my downfall. Yep. I, I would rather tinker any day of the week. Exactly. So I, I only have a handful of, uh, factory built ARs. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, it's got their reliable, um, which is a kind of proprietary Geisley uh, coating on there and all this stuff. And that bolt carrier assembly is like stupid expensive. If you Yeah, 405 it. bucks. Yeah, it's like, it's dumb. So the complete rifle is actually a deal. If you add up the sum of the parts, you can't build it for what they, you know, you, you would have to buy the parts for. Um, and then it uh, came with a Surefire uh, enclosed, um, I can't remember. It's the closed time flash hider that's not the yeah. Wacom. Yep. Uh, and of course that came right off cause I don't have a surefire suppressor. <laughs> I what have you, rugged, you have? I have rugged suppressor. Oh yeah, that's right. You have rugged. So, so I run rugged stuff. So I swapped that out and, um, uh, you know, I was almost ready to buy a surefire suppressor and then rugged came out with their razor five, five, six. So, <laughs> so that, that helped me out there. Um, but, um, let me see what else I add to it. I added, um, other than the rugged stuff, I added the, um, uh, the Geisley uh, DDC uh, mount, scope mount, and a Riton uh, X3 uh, Tactics uh, X3 uh, 1 to 8 uh, LVPO. And have in, glass. In, in the FDE, so kind of to add to the, the FDE. And then I got the new cloud defensive uh, Rain Micro, the 2.0 version, um, and, and threw that on there with their torrent mount. So those are all the FDE as well to kind of keep the theme going if you will of course none of that crap matches it's all sorts of different shades of fde or yep. dc especially or that cloud defensive one yeah so but it, it looks good i i <laughs> pretty happy it's a heavy is it like i said it's a little bit of a heavy ar because the rail on it is the mark 16 um rail from geisley which is not super duper light but i mean geisley makes good stuff but they're proud they're definitely proud of their stuff for sure yeah that g for some reason doubles in price every time you you get it. Uh, I had the Mark IV Fed rail, and I thought I was going to love that rail for a $350 rail. I was very upset with how how much it cost. And, the, and then it had the QD points in it where they put the little brass fitting, but then they didn't, they didn't add an anti-rotation tab, like any anti-rotation to that. So it's like, it was just free spinning. So my sling would just sit in there and spin the whole time. And I was like, this is dumb. And the next thing I know, I'd get I'd, like, it caught a beard hair and like tried to rip off half my face. And I was like, this is not fun. So yeah, I was pissed about that. Then I, then I added a Magpul mount that was, that had the, the only, you could only rotate it like 20 or 30 degrees, 
was great. And then I'm like, why am I bolting more shit onto here? Like this should not happen. I should not have to do that. I contacted Geisley and he was like, well, you can send it back and we can put the anti-rotation one in. Um, but you have to, you have to pay for shipping. And I was like, no. And I'm just sending it back to Brownells because I wasn't satisfied because Brownells has that forever satisfaction guarantee. And I was going to tell you right now, I was not satisfied. I was very pissed off. I spent 350 bucks on a rail and it wasn't all that I'd wanted it to be. Like if I'm spending $350 on the rail, it better do more than what that rail did. And I know that the other Geisley rails have anti-rotation QD in them, but that one didn't. And I was like, why? Like, well, yeah. What did they say to that? Like, I'm, I'm surprised that they acknowledged they had the parts and didn't use it well, on what so is what technically a government rail. <laughs> so what, uh, what ended up happening is they made a new generation and they didn't have a specific part in stock. This is from what I'm hearing from forums online. And they didn't have the specific brass fitting in stock. And instead of like replacing it they never did that they were just like oh like we'll ship what's already here we'll ship that out and then on the new the new one and apparently they still haven't done it yet because they made a bunch of them and they sent them off to the feds and it's like i'm not i'm not understanding because i apparently they they do that rail every two years they update that rail every two years per their contract from what i read online so now i'm like completely lost as to why and then Apparently, like they're not allowed to update the metal. They're not allowed to change the anodization formula that's on the metal. So it's always like, like whatever the OD green is, because I guess the OD green is specifically the federal one. Like they didn't want any other color. They only wanted the OD green. So I'm like, that's weird. Like, well, why you know, would you do that? You know why they change it like that, don't you? Mm, no, why? I mean, that's what Colt did. Colt had to do that with the lowers originally. So they would hold, they held the contract and basically, I think when the contracts would go up, I think the feds technically held like rights or whatever to the one design. And then Colt would have to change the design to continue holding the contract and selling it to the feds. Interesting. That's so I, I bet you that is what Geisley is doing is they're manipulating the design ever so slightly so that they're then manufacturing a new product, which they then have to present back to them in another contract. That because makes that is, sense. That's what, that's what Colt did. That makes sense because they've slowly been adding more Picatinny rail to the bottom. Because apparently in the beginning, it was only like eight slots. And then it went to uh, nine, It was, it was no it slots. To, yeah, they had so no like, Picatinny on the sides. They had none on the bottom. And I looked at it and I was like, I dig that rail. And then they stuck the, Pinati the Picatinny on the side. And I was like, whoa. I don't like that now. <laughs> yeah, I never, I didn't understand it. So then, yeah, but they've been like adding, like apparently guys have like every generation of this rail on, like there's a dude who's got them like out on his bed and like, you can see like, it has like three slots and then like eight slots and then like four slots and then 10 slots and then two slots. It's like, it's like, why, like, why would you do this? Like when I got mine, I was like, okay, like it's cool, but kind of annoying. So it's, I just, I don't understand it all. When they originally released them, I, I don't think they had released them to the public initially. And there were people, I mean, the cloners out there were going wild for it. And they're paying like 800 to like 1200 bucks for those rails. Um, and I, I mean, I liked them back then. I just can't get over the Picatinny on the side. There's something about it that bothers me. And I also don't understand 
why they're running uh, 11 and a half inch barrel with the 10 inch rail because then as soon as you throw a suppressor on there and you try to mount the flashlight your flashlight is now i would rather have a 10.5 rail i would mm. rather have my light much further forward i'll leave it at this i'd rather the fbi be incompetent at everything they fucking do i'm gonna put it <laughs> i should have known this was going to go there <laughs> I don't care, FBI. I hope you shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> um, but no, like I, I understand that there are certain criteria that they have to meet for certain things. But yeah, like eleven and a half inch Colt barrel on that on those on those guns and all that. And I mean, the FBI I think has been updating their same series of weapons um, for ever. So it's like to me, I don't understand. I, I don't know. I don't understand it, but I think Geisley does make a really good rail. I think I'll probably invest in one later, but the Midwest Industries Night Fighter rail that I got at Brownells is probably one of my most favorite other than the two-piece free float rail they just did with the front sight post. So that was pretty awesome, and I'm pretty happy about that. Um, what, what, what are you, some of your favorite rails, uh, Christian? Uh, favorite rails. I'll tell you what, back in the day, I was a big fan of the, uh, Troy, uh, alpha rails. Um, I ran a bunch of those things, um, solid rails didn't have to run any sort of crazy barrel nut. Um, you know, they locked up solid and stuff. Um, I do like the air precision rails, the enhanced and the, uh, uh, the Atlas, uh, series. I like the R1 better than the S1. Um, the only problem is sometimes it's a little on the thin side uh when it comes to the like the gas block area it gets really close to the rail so if you have any sort of whip in the barrel um i could definitely see that uh getting close if you got like a bulky gas block or something like that um i'll say that for the uh for the midwest rails their combat series and their their night fighter both get really close to the gas block. Even if you have a low pro gas block, they're both really close to the, to that gas block. Yeah. So I, um, I do like the, uh, Geisley, uh, what is it? The Mark 14, uh, rails. I have a couple of those, um, on my go-to rifles. And then, um, uh, of course the Mark 16 is on the, the, uh, Brownells exclusive deal, but, but my other two are, are the, the Mark 14. And there's really not much difference between the Mark 14 and the Mark 16. Um, I'm trying to remember what the, I think, that, I can't remember. The main the difference is the, the main is, difference on that, I think, is the, um, like the, the Mark 16 has the, and I, I was going to bring up earlier, I was eyeing, I've been eyeing the, I mean, since I held my buddy's Super Duty, I've been all over the parts that were on that thing. I basically mentally am building a super duty. <laughs> so the uh, the rail on that is the Mark 16, which has the M lock the whole way around. But then the Mark 14, um, at that like 130 You're absolutely position. Absolutely right. Yeah, it's only at the uh, <clears throat> the three six and and uh, nine o'clock. Yep. Whereas yeah. the Mark 16 has it uh, in between. So what is it? The two o'clock and the four o'clock position or whatever. So uh, the, three, seven, yeah, three six nine. Yeah. Three six nine and then on on the M sixteen or the Mark sixteen Mark yeah. sixteen yeah but the the like barrel nut lockup is the same like they look uh, like aesthetically they're very similar in design um, but but you're right you have more mounting options with the Mark sixteen 
So uh, honestly, I think going forward, having both of them now, I probably would go with the Mark 16, um, you know, if I had to choose between the two. But gosh, darn, they're freaking pricey. <laughs> I, I was looking at last night. Uh, Brownells finally got the 15-inch uh, black ones in uh, for the Mark 16s. And I, I was like, I want that thing, but I got, I got other projects I need to knock out before I order it. But they got that in. And the other, I've been on the hunt for the OD green rails too. So I popped on Geisley's site and they had the 10.5s, uh, the 10.5 Mark 16 in OD green. I was like, I was like, I want both of these, but I can't, I can't do either right now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, it, it's a tough one. I'll tell you what, one of the rails that I have uh, that I got kind of um, by chance was uh, on my 6.5 Grendel build that I used for deer hunting um, was actually a Strike Industries. It's a key mod rail. I know nobody likes key mod. That's kind of like a... a oh, no, you now. said the Strike Industries word. I've got a bone to pick with yeah i mean i i don't have i've had good luck with some of their stuff but i've had bad luck with some of their stuff but this rail they were blowing them out i think because they were doing away with the key mod i got it for 50 dollars shipped and it's a 200 and something dollar rail it was the one they had that had the the front sight post that was integrated in it was a flip up front sight and i didn't need it for the front sight but the price at 50 bucks was just nuts it was like um that was a couple of years ago i guess when i did that build and um man, it's been a nice rail. Um, you know, I, I, you know, taken some deer, uh, with it, took a nice, uh, buck this past season, um, on public land and, um, it's a nice shooter and, you know, the whole, I, I did it in foliage green, the whole rifle. So I don't Ooh. know if I've posted any pictures of that in a while, but it's a, it's a, um, air precision build and, uh, with a Cerakote foliage green. Uh, and the only reason I went foliage green, cause I had a, a CTR Magpul stock in foliage green and a grip. Otherwise I wouldn't even have done foliage green. I was like, well, hell I need something to match this foliage green. So I had the whole, I had the receivers and the, the receiver set and the rail done in foliage green and then did everything else in black, but, uh, pretty, uh, pr pretty nice, uh, setup actually. Yeah, everything I've ever owned that strike industries always breaks. I don't know. I don't know if it just they ship me the bad stuff, but I've had magazine releases. I've had. I, I mean, um, I had a rail that I had dropped the gun. Uh, I didn't drop it. It had slid off like my bench and landed on the ground. And I was going to do review on the rail, but I don't. I don't necessarily like to put out something negative about a company. Uh, unless you're Bill Geisley. Um, but I don't like to, uh, I don't like to put out negative reviews on products. And I had that rail and I had legitimately bent the rail and broke the barrel nut. Like, and I was like, nope, I can't. So I called, I called them and like, oh, we'll warranty it, blah, blah, blah. They warranted it. And then I took a class locally here. I mean, it wasn't, it, I mean, a hundred rounds in and that barrel nut, um, I thought it was loose when I put it on and I was like, this is really weird. And, uh, I put it on and I was like, okay, like it wasn't moving and everything felt solid, took it to a class. And I'm not even kidding you. The barrel nut just decided to undo itself inside of there. And I was like, you know what? This is the last strike industries product I'm ever buying. Cause I don't want to have to, and it's, and it's like their magazine releases consistently like 200 rounds at 200 rounds. I can, I can promise you they're, 
and BMAG releases will start dropping magazines. No matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, like every single time it's hit 200 rounds, it has just straight dropped a magazine out of there. Once it hits 200 rounds, it does it. I've done it for like seven or eight of them. I'm pretty sure I could write a scientific paper on that mag release failing me as many times as it has and the round count has failed at because a typical range session is about 250 rounds for me and I couldn't make it through that when I would go there. Like when I would go do a range session with that magazine release and it being ambi, I couldn't do it. So a $40 magazine release eight times was, I was like, you know, you could just go buy like three Norgons with this and be okay. Uh, I was going to say, you know, I think School of the American Rifle actually did, I think he posted something on that where somebody brought one of those to the class and it, they went to like push the, the mag release and it was nothing but problems. Um, I've never, I, I really, I, I feel like I've bought one strike industries thing, but I cannot even remember what it is. Oh, it was dummy rounds. I think that's the only thing I bought from them. Um, but I, you know, you brought up foliage green. I got to jump, you know, I love green. So I got to, <laughs> I got to touch on that. My, uh, my AR nine, I have foliage green on that. Cause I scored, um, I got a, one of the war sport, like exclusive, uh, SOP mod B5 stocks or SOP mod. I don't know. Everybody calls them different things, but I got uh, one of those off uh, Peace Geek when they were closing out a lot of the war sport stuff. And then I somehow managed to snag a B5 foliage grip. And that's what I run on my, um, my AR9 SBR. I think I'm going to end up changing that up, though. I think it's going to go OD green because um, I have a stippled grip from my buddy Center Customs that is sitting around. So I think I'm going to throw that on the SBR and then... I got a whole plan of shifting things around here shortly. I honestly still don't understand your state's laws when it comes to SBRs and how you have to have a heavy barrel or no, wait, no, you don't have to have a heavy barrel on an SBR, right? Yeah. No, no heavy barrels on SBR. But it has to be over a certain length. Uh, which... I need to be 20, 29 inches. That's stupid. And that's, and according to something that I heard from somebody it's not actually stated in the legislation that it was supposed to be that length. That's something apparently I think uh, our state police told the ATF after it came out. I could be wrong, but that was something that I heard that actually isn't like true law. It's something that the state police just told the ATF, the federal ATF, this is what it is. So if somebody applies for a tax stamp for something that's under that, um, apparently they get denied. That's pretty dumb. And uh, your state police are awful. Uh, and I'll leave that at that. Um, <laughs> so do uh, you have any SBRs, um, Christian? I have just one. It's a really old kind one of more build. Than me. Yeah, it, it's a, a really old uh, Spikes Tactical build that I did. It's a 10 and a half inch 5.56. Um, and I've kind of changed parts on that thing so many times. Uh, but the... The most recent kind of change up on that, um, well, not re not really recent, but it has a Mark 14 Geisley rail on it, and it's got the upper on it is the Innovative Arms um, with the gas switch on it. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Um, I don't know. Uh, their kind of claim to fame is they make the only integral suppressed uh, CZ Scorpion. Um 
And uh, yeah, actually, Swissy Jim, one of the uh, other BOP guys, uh, he's got one of those uh, integrates integral uh, integrated suppressor CZ Scorpions. He has one of those. Uh, basically, isn't by that the, the one Sage just did a review on, and he was like, "This is stupid. Like, how long this took, and all this." And I was like, "I was like, wow, I mean, like he he made a video, and he was like, this is dumb.'" And I was like, "And then the only video I've seen him ever make any other thing on, and and I completely agree with him." And he said, uh, uh, "Shotguns belong in museums," and I was like, "Yes, they do." Uh, Sage Dynamics did that. Yes, his most recent one, he did a 12 gauge like pump shotgun, like AR thing, and he was like, Shotguns belong in museums. And then, uh, he had another one about an integrally suppressed. I, I, I don't, it wasn't an MP5, so it had to be either the Scorpion or another one, but it was an integral, integrally suppressed, and you had to specifically buy it from them. So then, and then you couldn't SBR it. And he was like, well, I can't factory SBR it. It comes to me as a pistol with an, with an integrated suppressor. So I have to pay the tax stamp on the suppressor, but I can't SBR it through them. So then it gets to me. And if I want to SBR it, then I have to send the paperwork in to get it SBR. He's like, this was, this was dumb. Like, I, I feel like if I'm going to buy this, like it is what it is. And, and so he did that. And I'm pretty sure that was, it was the integrally suppressed um uh cz scorpion and when i heard when i heard him say that i was like oh okay he's got a bone to pick with these people because i've never seen him do something like f that because even his swamp fox review like that he he was when he did the swamp fox review on a second one he was like it's not a company that i wanted to bash because i i think that they're trying to make affordable optics that are good and so he didn't put out his initial review but when he put out his review of that cz scorpion that was integrally suppressed i was blown away when he was like f this uh, I, I consider getting one actually. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, a lot, it's a lot, I, I could send my Scorpion in and have them do it, but mine is so far from original now that it, it would not make any sense. And, and honestly, the Scorpion has sat a lot more um, in the last year or so than, than um, it's been shot. I mean, I like it, but um, you know, there has been some issues with the, uh, with some, failures that people have had uh, with those and uh, being a polymer receiver um, you know they pretty much uh, there's no repairing that <laughs> so I've kind of kind of stopped shooting it as much but uh, but that company that made that um, they make a pretty slick design for a AR-15 upper receiver that has a built-in gas valve uh, right above the barrel extension where the gas tube comes in and um, where you can dial the gas back when you're running suppressed. So it's so I, that upper receiver is one of the things I put on my uh, uh, my ten and a half inch spikes SBR um, a couple of years ago. I actually won that upper receiver. I think that those things run for like three hundred bucks or something. Never um, mind. Just for it's a stripped. An, it's an MP. It's an MPX uh, SD, and uh, it's made by D3 LLC. And okay. it was done five months ago, and he and that's pretty much when he decided he was going to shit on it. So my 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 uh, my bad. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to misappropriate Sage Dynamics work. So I figured I'd go back and say that. Also, uh, going in and, and doing editorial notes here. Uh, anything to do with Strike Industries, I haven't tried out in a very long time. So if they've updated their stuff or done anything like that, I don't know. So I'm not. So I'm not. So, so I was going to say, uh, my, my thing with strike industries, like I said, uh, I kind of mentioned earlier, we're, uh, 
and I know we're kind of circling back to the strike, but um, my issue with them is a lot of their stuff just doesn't fit good. Um, I've tried their aluminum uh, uh, dust covers. Uh, I had a recoil spring. Actually, I did a video on this. I had a Glock uh, recoil spring guide rod recoil spring assembly from them. Um, it's a, you know, a, a, rather than the plastic one, the OEM Glock one, and it wouldn't fit. It binded up in the freaking OEM Glock frame channel. And, um, you know, that I kept having hangups right. and, uh, it's like the dimensions are off on that thing. They say that it, you know, it's a direct fit, but it, it just, is too wide. And I'm not going to go grinding on a, on my OEM Glock frame just to fit their stupid spring. So that thing's still sitting in a drawer over here. The one thing that I've had very good luck with their, their stuff that I run on a lot of my polymer 80 builds is their, um, uh, captured, um, uh, Glock, uh, pins. All right. So I had issues from time to time with, uh, I think my very first polymer 80, build i had issues with the pins the trigger pins kind of walking out mm -hmm. and um strike industries makes a very reasonably priced set i think they're like 15 bucks or something um that will not walk out they actually are, are captured and um they won't uh you don't have to worry about that so i use those on all my my glock builds these days and i recommend them you know uh, for stuff. And then that rail assembly on my six, five Grendel that I bought for 50 bucks, <laughs> it's normally a 200 something dollar rail. I had, I have no complaints, but that's not a hard use gun either. It's a six, five Grendel. I built it for hunting. So, I mean, it's, I mean, I've dragged it around the mountains and stuff when I went to Colorado last year. And then uh, of course deer hunting and stuff like that, the last couple of years, um, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's been through dirt, mud, rock, stuff like that, but I, I've not, you know, it don't have a high round count through it. Um, that, that build, you know, probably has a few hundred rounds through it at best, my, I would say. My, it, my bone to pick with strike industries is all the guys who run the anodized red stuff. And they're like, look at my AR. And I'm like, no dude, like, please go away. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't do that. And then um, to me, yeah. I just, I kind of felt like they were the Olight of the gun accessories world to me. Like, I think that Olight, is good in an administrative role like i own a few of them um none that i would ever like trust my life to but you know like again it, i posted a video on why i would never do an olight review on my channel and it, and in that i pretty much said i don't want to bash olight because i think they make a product that fills the role for people who don't necessarily have as much money to spend. But if you're going to make what you would, what you're going to call a duty use gun and you decide that you're going to put an O light on there or things like that. And then I'm like, okay, this is not duty use. Like, and, and I, I, I get a lot of crap from like, there was a dude who was like the Odin, the Odin mini is the best rifle light around and you don't need candela. And I was like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and the and the, these are the same people who will tell you that you don't need, you need flood on a rifle light and you don't need candela. And I'm like, I can flood a room with a high candela light, but I cannot make a floody light focus into the point where you can see a distance. And that's the thing I try to, and they're like, well, you don't need to see a distance. And I'm like, no, 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 because if you have a rifle, that shoots far away, you want to be able to see far away. Like you may never need to see far away, 
but you want that light there for that reason. And people are like, no, you don't need it because you'll never, if you have to shoot it past 25 yards, yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's, you're not understanding the purpose of the light at this point. Like, <clears throat> so that's kind of my bone to pick with O-light people or people who are like, the Surefire is the best rifle light ever. And I'm like, it's a good rifle light for what it is. Uh, but it, it hasn't been updated in forever. And I'm actually surprised that Surefire went out and did the Turbo series that they've got now. So that's pretty interesting if anyone has anything they want to add to that. I may be in the wrong. I may be stuck in my ways, but I, from everything I've seen in the four or five low light classes that I've, I've run in the past, um, I'd much rather have a higher Candela light with less flood and spill than a floody light with no throw. Like that's just how it is for me. Yeah, I can't uh, I was speak just, for... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you don't have to worry about me doing any red builds because I got so much green, it would look like Christmas. So... <laughs> just jingle bells over here. Yeah. And and I uh, the Strike Industries dummy rounds, they're holding up, so we'll give them a good review on here. <laughs> All right. So if you're going to buy Strike Industries dummy rounds, <laughs> uh, shooting the shit podcast, thumbs up. <laughs> They come with a keychain ring too, just in case you want to have a dummy round on your keychain. Why not? You know, let's just add dumb things to our every part of our life. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy about the crazy colors on uh, some of Strike stuff and other companies, um, but you know, I, I know folks that do like three gun and stuff like that. A lot of them like those, uh, you know, fancy colors, and I guess to each their own on their color selections. Um, but, uh, but as far as their, uh, as far as, um, Olight stuff, uh, you know, I got some Olight stuff, um, a handful of things, you know, nothing that's hard to use or anything like that. I mean, just flashlights and stuff like that, but I haven't bought Olight stuff in many years. Matter of fact, most of Olight stuff I got, was given to me. Um, I got, uh, a one pistol light. I think the what the hell is it? The PL2 Mini, like the original old version that they gave out to like veterans and stuff around July 4th years ago. And it was, a, it was like the first time they did it in FDE. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I actually prefer Streamlight for cheap and then uh, for more expensive. I mean, I have, uh, I have Airsaka, you know, uh, Surefire clone light, you know, it's basically a, you know, it's a, it's a Surefire, you know, uh, spec light with a Malkoff head on it and an Arasaka body that I kind of cobbled together. Um, that's actually I, on my SBR and I it's a good life. I'm going to tell you right now, he has been uh, fantastic to me and my channel. He's given me a few lights and done some stuff like that. So um, I think that uh, Malkoff is probably one of the best light companies out there besides Cloud Defensive. I like Mod Light. I have a few Mod Lights, but I have a Cloud Defensive. I have a couple of Mod Coughs, and I probably will only from now on be buying Cloud Defensive and Mod Coughs because I feel like they kind of fit both um, niches in, in, in what I do. The one the one thing I think that Cloud Defensive um, has on Mod Cough is probably the color tint of the light. And then the one thing I, I think that Malkoff has is with the new E2XTL light that they have, um, it'll take dual CR123s, it'll take a 16650 and an 18650, and it'll run all of them flawlessly. Um, <clears throat> so I find that um, I find that the Malkoff is like the end of the world light for me. And the, uh, the Cloud Defensive is like a very heavy duty use, durable, like 
can you can beat the crap out of and still fix kind of light um so it's like i do wish that the cloud defensive could could roll more into the malkoff genre or you know vice versa you know even if malkoff decided he was going to make like kind of a yellower tint to his stuff and push it out more but i've talked to gene a handful of times i mean and i will sit there and talk to him for 30 45 minutes just about lights color temperatures what's going on like how like how he runs stuff like it's very very interesting uh like how who he talks to and things like that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna um throw that out here on the podcast for people but he's a he's a very interesting person and if you're ever wondering who to contact to get you into contact with more people if it's not someone at brownells it is definitely gene because i swear to god that man every time he brings up names of people in that run in very 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 small circles in the military and i remember hearing a few of those names and stuff that i used to do in the army so i was like this is very interesting and the, the fact the fact that he knows that many people kind of blows my mind so i don't know if that's just me or whatnot but well that's that's good to know about Malkoff. i mean i i i have only bought the one lighthead and i think a charger and stuff from them and it's been a quite a few years ago um i haven't been on the site there in quite a while but um i basically i wanted to i wanted to build an air i wanted an arasaka surefire style light and um uh you know at the time i don't think they had what i wanted and i was like well i can't afford to spend what they wanted for the entire light at the time um so i just kind of pieced together i think i bought the body from the arasaka body and the tail cap from brownells and then i bought the head directly from alcoff and i don't even remember what head i have on it so um it's just a you know it's a 600 you know size scout light um body um yep um and then is as it, far as the is it this size it, it, it is um put it sideways a little better uh the, the head on it that looks like the head i have all right so this is the e2ht so this one okay. for everyone who wants to go down my nerdiness hole here um <laughs> i have the e2ht which is the smallest 600 pattern scout light that he makes in the 600 pattern he makes the 300 series for the other ones the e1ht and all that um but then uh, he has the e2 uh, xt and then the e2 xtl and then he has the e2 xtd so all of them fit in different things that uh the cool thing about these is they run on 16650s and they're rechargeable and this one is the e2 ht it's a 16650 inch rechargeable and this is my edc defensive light um like this is what i use to blind the shit out of people um because i mean i swear to god if, you, if i've hit people who've walked up towards me like kind of at nighttime when I'm working on a machine and they have like, they've gone to the point where like, I can't even see a walk away from you. Like, like <laughs> so it's like, it's like, who are you? Why are you here? All right. You need to go away. And uh, it lasts forever. I mean, I have carried this thing for, a, I don't, you probably can't see this, but I have beat the ever loving shit out of this light and it still keeps going. I mean, there's not, I don't know. I don't know when it's going to die because when it does, it's going to be like a we're going to have to go bury it and have a funeral and all sorts of stuff because um, Gene's going to be like, what the hell do you do in my light? I mean, this thing has been <laughs> I ran over it with my van um, <laughs> on accident. Like I have a work van, uh, a big old Chevy 2500 work van. And I mean, it ran over it twice. Still worked. No problem. Um, I mean, it's been dropped. I dropped it. I was working um in a parking garage 
there was a parking garage and on the top it had a, there's an ATM by the stairwell and uh, it fell all the way down four stories hit the back of the bezel which is where all the paint has come off and still works I was very I actually broke the battery inside replaced the battery and it was perfectly fine um, so they're very very rugged durable lights and I can't say enough good things about Malkoff and I mean they they're a little older in the technology but he updates the drivers they're fully potted I mean he's he stated that you could run a full auto scar 17 um, with a muzzle brake on his light and he's like I guarantee you it's going to work so he's he's got he's stands behind his stuff 200 he says yeah that's that's good to know I'll have to check out check out his site I haven't been there in a while and see if there's something maybe I get 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 my hands into I I want to say that you used to be able to buy the light heads from Brownells at some point because you used to be able to get Malkoff heads at other places um because I man I put I built that light it's probably been four it's probably been something along the lines of four years ago when I when I put that light together they're amazing I can't I've never been able to say no to a Malkoff like I mean yeah cloud defensive exists and they do exist and I'm not talking anything negative when I say this but if I had to pick one or the other I don't know like to be honest I really don't know like it's it's that hard of a choice for me to make like oh do I want to buy a Malkoff or do I want to buy like a cloud defensive that's the only thing it's like I own a mall I own a Malkoff and I own a cloud defensive like but which one do I want to buy next is kind of my thing like which which one so uh, to me that's my internal struggle that I have here at my bench like daily when I go peruse Arasaka and when I go peruse cloud defensive I'm like oh I have really good coupons for both and I, I can't I can't figure out which one I want to spend my money on first so that's that's my problem I don't know if anybody else has that problem but I'm not super rich yet you know I have that problem um <clears throat> has anybody uh I know all of us are huge cloud fans has anybody messed with the mod lights I can't say you know I can I can't say they don't pique my interest. Oh, I've owned four of them. I currently own. I don't know how many currently own, um, but I don't. I didn't like the PLHV two, so I sold that to a friend of mine who wanted it, and he loves it. Um, I I like Mod Light because they're Surefire plugin, pretty much. If you just if you have a Surefire X, not three hundred. Uh, a 600 or any of those uh, <clears throat> not the x300 that's a pistol light if you have a surefire 600 series light and and it's a dual fuel light like the 18650 um those heads are direct replacements um now i will say that the e2xdl from malkoff is also a direct replacement it is a 16650 light um but it will also run on 18350s um it, it, it runs on like five different batteries. I'm surprised at how well it actually worked. Um, but, you know, you get a little less output with the Malkoff, but you get more versatility, um, but you still get high candela, 55,000 candela, 500 lumens. Um, it's a it's a great light, uh, but the mod lights, the oh, I only own two OKWs um, and I have a tan one and a black one. And to be honest, I could kind of go without them. Like if, if I sold them both tomorrow, I would just end up buying another cloud and another Malkoff. Like that's really what I would do. Like, I, and it's not to say that I don't, 
I have my issues with ModLite because they've stolen some of my pictures in the past and decided to repost them and not tag me and or or at least put some stuff in there. So it's like, kind of like I'm very picky on what I post about them now. Um, but uh, and I will say they were quick to correct it once I kind of told them like, hey, that's my picture. Um, but when I did that, they kicked me out of the Facebook group um, uh, because I, I posted in the Facebook group. I'm like, hey, you guys stole my picture. Can I get some credit? So then they immediately deleted my my Facebook post and then deleted me from the Facebook group. So that was kind of my my bone to pick with with mod light. Um, and then uh, um, but other than that, they make fantastic lights. They've worked very well. I have a Gen 1 OKW and a Gen 2 OKW. Both work fantastic. Now, are they OKWs? Because um, I'm not that familiar with them. I mean, the main reason I went with the cloud, and we talked about this kind of last time, was the uh, durability and like, uh, what, like your, your apocalypse light that you'd go to. Uh, that one will hold up. Now, um, the yes. mod lights, they just don't seem as durable, but the the output on those, I think there's something like 70,000 candela or something. 69. 69,000 okay. candela was what it, they say approximately because there have been some guys who have tested these lights and they haven't got anywhere close to that. Um, so it's like they've had one, like one, they had one light that had 70,000 candela and then they had another light that only had like 54,000 candela on an OKW. Um, on their PLHV2s, I guess they tend to be more um, across the board. Like apparently that one has done uh, really well. And then the PLH5K, which is a different head, um, that one has also tested to where it's spec'd. But I guess with the OKW, they've run into issues. And I actually, between my Gen 1 and my Gen 2, you can see a considerable difference in output on both of them, especially, I mean, when they're both fully charged. Um, the Gen 1 does seem like it can throw more than the Gen 2. And I know that they're both 69,000 candela approximately. Um, but I just didn't want to, uh, like, I'm not going to sit there and say, like, oh, they did it on purpose. I just think that they had some QC issues. So they're, they're good. And I think that they're really good lights. I just don't know if... Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to beat Cloud Defensive or Molkov in that in that sense. Got it. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, I mean, that's mainly why I picked Cloud was just watching like the durability tests. Uh, the output on the um, the mod light was impressive, but I think now Cloud releasing the Rain 2.0. I mean, they're they're right up there in Candela. I don't know what the lumens is on the mod light, but it still um, it still looks like they're kind of head and head as far as their output. Yeah, they're they're really good. Um, these are a lot wider lights than the Cloud Defensive. I think that the Cloud Defensive does have the the tint. Um, and to be honest, I've done a head to head between my Mod Light and um, uh, and the uh, Cloud Defensive, and they're both great lights. But with the with the Cloud Defensive, you actually can see more detail out at distance like you can see more color um like with this everything kind of tends has a tendency to be gray at distance uh with the mod light and then with the cloud defensive it does you can see green grass not white grass you can see like the color of houses and stuff like that it was really weird when i did that and i actually have a video on my youtube um that comparing like all the lights um 
which is the only what I would consider to be like a pro. Like if, if you're an LEO or something like that and you're out there and you need to know the color of somebody's shirt, you could probably see that better with the cloud defensive over the uh, mod light or anything like that. Now I will say, I do think the problem with cloud defensive is they are very expensive and I understand why they are very expensive. Um, but I, I do wish that they had like a, like a non-duty rated light, like, that you could do, but I also understand that they don't want to put that out. Um, there are so many people who want to get into cloud defensive, but the barrier to entry for them is money and they can't do it. Um, so that's something I see a lot with a lot of different, like of these high-end light manufacturers. Are these, these are the reason why people are going to owe light, excuse me, and things like that. So I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? And I know we got to wrap this up pretty soon. So uh, I was going to say, as far as um, cloud defensive, so I've had quite a bit of discussions with uh, Sean. Um, I guess the, uh, I don't know if it's a CEO or. Yeah, whatever. he's a CEO. Uh, I've talked to him so, before. Because I, I put out a, a video recently and I kind of contacted him about the uh, the Rain 2.0 because there were some, some issues getting the uh, contacts right with the, the battery and, and the light head in order to get an output. I mean, it acted like a bad, <laughs> a bad battery. So I don't know if you saw my recent video, but I kind of did a, uh, a kind of a comparison on the, the rain micro 2.0 to the, to the 1.0, which I have. And, and some of the complaints that I had about the 2.0 were uh, it seemed less robust than what the 1.0 was. And, and the, the comment or the, the thoughts that I got from Sean was like, well, people wanted a little bit lighter, you know, lighter weight. So they, in order to make it lighter, they had to cut out some of the things to make it lighter. So uh, he said, they'll still offer the 1.0. And if you want hard duty, you know, anything you throw at it, that's your light. If you want to save a little bit of weight, the 2.0 would be the way to go. Um, so I have both, and, and I will say that they're both great. Um, I say as far as the, the light output, it's, it's pretty comparable. Um, I really want to try an owl, though. <laughs> I gotta, I'm going to get one of those at some point. But You have an owl, I, right? I've got an owl, yeah. I, have, I bought a sore subject. I bought a, <laughs> a OD Green Blem, uh, which... Uh, we were talking about this last. I almost picked too. up one of those because they were available not too long ago. Uh, yeah, mine, even Cloud called it FDE. Like, because they, they had such trouble getting the OD green right that they were coming out as FDE. They literally probably could have sold it as FDE. I think the only reason they didn't do that is because like different parts of the light are like different shades. Uh, so there's no consistency to it. <clears throat> but uh I mean, I, I really like that light. The only, uh, and if you look at one of my pictures, I can send it to you. I have a picture when I'm, might've been a video actually, uh, when I'm out shooting in the field. Um, and you can actually see, like I have my thumb on the, the pressure switch for it and just me shooting it and that little bit of pressure um, of holding it, the light was on. And I didn't realize that I had the light switch on until I was looking at the photos afterward and I could see the beam on the side of the suppressor. And then I was like, I was like, oh, I was pushing the, the light. So from the owl to the rain, I mean, the rain, they have that little ridge around the outside of the, the buttons. And I don't think I'm gonna, from what I can tell, I'm not gonna run into that issue. So the owl, 
I don't know. I would kind of tell you to save your money there. I, I think that one, it's it's heavy. Um, it, I mean, it's bomb-proof. If you're looking for a bomb-proof light, the owl is completely bomb-proof. But I think the rain is bomb-proof. It just has, with the pressure switch, kind of uh, weak points of the cable and that kind of stuff. So there's some give and take. Um, if, any, if I had any suggestion for cloud, it would be to stiffen up um, the button on the owl because I mean, if you're if you're out at night and you don't want to flip that switch on, that thing's going. If you're if you're holding it, the the problem. Oh, I'm sorry, Christian. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I actually don't prefer pressure switches in general. Um, all most of my lights, all I just use the the tail cap button. Uh, now Same. the rain the rain 2.0. Only the only option they had with that guy was the full package with the tapes the tape switch the pressure switch um however it was like a week or, or a couple weeks after i got that thing i got a package from cloud defensive at no charge and it was a regular non-pressure switch tail cap for my um my 2.0 so i don't know if sean sent that to me or if that was something they were sending everybody because i don't know i never bought the full package on any of my other my rain flashlights all of them were the 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 basic package with just the the tail cap so um and to this day i I get so much shit for not buying that stupid thing (laughs) that pressure switch i mean i kind of like it i mean it's it's i put it on because it's on the geyser rifle i did put it on there um because that's all i had at the time and it, it it does it, it is pretty slick, but, you know, for simplicity, uh, simplicity and less chance of stuff breaking and failing, having just the tail cap switch really is the better way to go. However, you know, if the the pressure switch fails, you still have the tail cap. So you kind of have some redundancy there. So there, I guess there's a couple different schools of thought, but um, but I did get just a regular pressure switch or uh, tail cap switch that came in the mail for it. So um, I, I, like I said, I, I, I guess I should probably send him a message and see, Hey man, did you have the, cause he, I know he watched my video um, and, uh, and one of his, his uh, employees, and I don't know, uh, they got a YouTube name, but I don't know what the real name, their, their official name is, but um, he watched a couple of my videos and um, commented and stuff. So maybe he saw, cause I even mentioned on there. Yeah. Normally I don't even care for the pressure switch. I just like the regular tail cap. I'm not really a pressure switch guy. So maybe they just sent it to me because they, they saw my comment uh, in my video. I don't know. Cause it just showed up one day. I have no idea. I think, <laughs> I think Sean needs to call me and I can say like, Oh, you know, I need this rain 2.0, you know, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he'll just send me one, you know, maybe he'll just send it. Out. So he's, he's also a, a sorry. Uh, he's also a, a, has a, a 21 Ford Raptor. So we have something in common to talk about other than, flashlights <laughs> oh, i'm a chevy guy so yeah they're, they're we're probably not gonna have too much common there um i was gonna say did your original one come with the the standard um what am i trying to say the rain one back um cap because i know they were going to supply the rain too so i wonder i don't know i i, I i'm just curious if maybe so- they sent you the gen one originally and then followed up with the gen two no so um when i i have a full-size rain 1.0 and a rain micro 1.0 and both of those i bought with without they weren't the complete package they just had the picatinny rail mount and the um which i bought air socket mounts for those anyways but um uh and just the regular basic tail tail switch 
now the 2.0, the only option they had when that release happened was with the pressure pad. Um, and the pressure pad switch, uh, the wiring is built into this, the tail cap switch. So, yeah, so I had no, I had no tail cap switch that did not have the pressure pad wiring. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. That, uh, that actually raises a question for me for cloud because uh, the 2.0 is supposed to be um, like IR unit compatible so that they'll, you'll be able to plug the RAIN uh, 2 into an IR unit and use the switch on the IR unit. Um, but if it's like integrated into the cap to the actual pressure switch, I'm assuming they're going to have to release another cap. They're working on that right now. They're not, they haven't put it out yet though. Yeah, I, I saw them actually like post on it. I think Sean posted on it yesterday. Um, but I, I guess I was expecting that they were going to have like, uh, maybe this is a rain one train, like thought process of being able to pull the back off and swap out the wiring. And um, the tail cap, like uh, the tail switch assembly in the cap is basically the same as the, the 1.0 anyways. It's like the same. Oh, okay. I'm, pr I'm pretty sure I could take the tail cap button out of my 1.0s and it'll work fine in the 2.0s. So the, the only... mechanics of the 2.0 is the same. The only thing they really changed with the 2.0 is they made a, a, a smaller diameter light head and then they changed some of the, the aesthetics and the machining on the, um, on the body and whatnot. But the tail cap assembly, like, I mean, not the anodized portion, but the actual button itself is identical to the, uh, uh, um, uh, the 1.0 version. So it's actually interchangeable. And, and they even state that, like, you can interchange parts between the 1.0 and the 2.0. Like, if you want to run a, a 2.0 body and then a, a 1.0 head on there, you could do that if you wanted so unfortunately i'd have three different you know i could make my own moonshine version i guess because i have uh, i have all three of my reins are different colors <laughs> you do so. however have to um the the contacts on the gen 1.1 uh the contact on the back of the battery had a different plating on it and if the if it it won't it has too much resistance with that plating that's on it so the new ones i believe are silver the original ones were gold if you have the gold contacts you can't run a 2.0 head um if you have the silver contacts you can run a 2.0 head so that's that's really all that is um and he covers that in in, in detail and i have an email about it too um because i've sent an email to them requesting a tne version uh and they told me that it's going to take a while for me to get one so i'm not upset they'll send it out but um i might end up just buying one anyway uh, and then trying to destroy their TNE version <laughs> so uh because that's they sent me they sent me a TNE version of the 1.0 a while back and that was fun i mean i i took that thing with a slingshot and launched it like 200 feet in the air and it came back down the only thing that broke on it was the uh was the glass and i mean you know the glass is replaceable uh i mean i i i destroyed that thing i i sent it back and it still worked like no matter what i did short of lighting it on fire uh when i sent it back it still worked so that was and i believe we covered that in our previous podcast but um that that light is phenomenal i love that light uh and i have it on my 13.9 that i got back from trajectory arms which is one other question i want to ask you have you ever sent any of your guns off to like a to a gunsmith a professional gunsmith like trajectory arms or nsa armory or 
TNTE and had them like spec out everything. Cause I, I sent that off cause I wanted a pin gas block. I wanted a pin muzzle device because it's a 13.9 and I didn't want to get by the ATF. And then um, there's just a few things like, have you ever done that? No, I've not sent anything out to get specked off. I mean, the probably the extent of what I've sent to anybody because I've always been fortunate enough to have a gunsmith close by um, that that I try to be friends with and uh, you know uh, converse with them and and give bring my business, you know, local gunsmith. But um, I, I I sent stuff off to get engraving before, um, and then stuff for warranty repairs. But other than that, I've always used local shops for for stuff or just tried to do stuff myself for the most part, you know. Because I I mean I've I've been working on the AR platform for, you know, 15 years just as a hobby and stuff. And I've accumulated, you know, I mean, a, a crap ton of tools. And I'm always looking for a new tool that can make things better or, or what have you. But, but no, I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't sent anything off uh, for, for blueprinting or, or any sort of extra work like that. Oh, I will say uh, I did not an AR, but I did send my Draco off uh, to Class 3 Machining to have the uh, barrel rethreaded uh, and and um, make it concentric for suppressor. So I did do that. Um, That's cool. Probably a couple of years ago. I, I wanted, I had a Draco for many years, a Draco C and um, it's got the underfolder trunnion in the back. And um, I wanted to, um, it was one made from a parts kit from a 1960 something parts kit. I think it's the date on this Draco. And um, uh, I wanted to, uh, it just sucked as a pistol. So I kind of went through a video series and did some upgrades to it. And one of the things I wanted to do was suppress it. So I added a KNS piston set up to it. And then I, I, the barrel was not matter of fact, I think, uh, 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 uh Miller and I, um, kind of, sh uh, shared some pictures back and forth when I was checking the barrel con concentricity. And, um, I was like, yeah, it's too close to the edge for me. So I sent it off and had it, uh, had it, uh, you know, redone, rethreaded and stuff by class three machining, which did a great job. I mean, I had the thing back within a week. It was crazy the turnaround. So I highly recommend him. Uh, if you ever need any barrel threading done, um, he, he, he does a great job. My local gunsmith wanted some stupid amount of money because he was like, oh, I have to pull the barrel out to put it into my, you know, my lathe and all that stuff. And he was wanting some crazy money. And then he was like, Oh, I'll just give you another barrel if you'd rather have this one. And I was like, eh, I don't know. And then at the end of the day, I was able to get it, you know, with return shipping through class three machining. I think it was like 140 bucks and that was hard to beat. So. Yeah. I think I remember it. that. That's, that's when we were talking about the, um, the Geisley alignment rods too. Cause yep, exactly. both using yep. the, um, um, the McMaster tool ones. And then I had jumped on the, uh, the Geisley one. So that actually, that's another, the, that's, I think that's the other Geisley product I have. I have the buffer tubes, the trigger, and then an alignment rod. Yep. I, I think I, I might a, buy another, rod as well. I think I might buy um, possibly the nine millimeter alignment ride, rod here soon. Um, especially since I'm building a second AR9, it's like, might as well have the proper tools for that now. <laughs> Yeah, I need to get a nine millimeter one because uh, I run a lot of PCCs with suppressors. I probably should have one for nine millimeter, and I don't. I've been rolling the dice with with throwing my suppressors on my sub. I ain't blown one up yet, but no, um, and, no and, offense, uh, but are they all direct thread cans? Ne negative. They're all. 
report on here. Uh, negative. They're uh, uh, tri-lug setups. Three-lug is the way. Three-lug is the way. I see again, this is all stuff I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, the one thing I wanted to ask, because I just got, I just sent mine out to trajectory arms and they sent me back a whole thing of um, everything that was good and bad. If it was out of spec or if they had to fix something like it was honestly for 185, if you send it off and you have all the parts on there, it was honestly um, well worth that amount of money that I spent on it. Uh, but then I had them change out a barrel nut and they, they did that. And, and, uh, but yeah, if you have an upper receiver that you're having problems with for 185 bucks, they'll diagnose it and fix it for pretty cheap. Um, so I think, I think that was something that I, I was just curious if you'd ever done that. Um, but I wanted one gun that was my, if I had to only grab one on my way out the door, that was the one I was going to grab. So, uh, yeah, totally understand. Um, you know, that, uh, uh, thought process me I, I guess that when i have problems or and i have to troubleshoot issues like i always open up my doors to friends and family and stuff like that locally um if they're having a problem child ar or any firearm actually I, i've worked on quite a few for, i'm kind of a i'm not a gunsmith but I, I i do enough tinkering that i know my way around stuff i'm pretty pretty much self-taught um on that stuff and um uh you know i just i i i I've always been, I mean, I fix stuff for a living, you know, um, and I've just always been interested in trying to work through problems. So I always just relish in the challenge of figuring stuff out on my own. So I think that's why I, I will exhaust all my own resources <laughs> within myself uh, before I, there's certain things I have to go to a gunsmith for like uh, barrel threading. I know I could do it, but you know, sometimes, you know, depending on what I'm, I'm trying to accomplish, it's better to just pay a shop to do it. Um, uh, also with AK stuff, uh, and SKSs, anything with like a pressed on like, uh, gas block setup, like an AK has, I had an SKS recently that I had, um, uh, I wanted the, uh, front sight block, uh, pressed off and a new one pressed on that had the bayonet lug. Cause it had a Bubba, uh, you know, bayonet lug was sh shaved off and it was a Russian one. So I wanted to kind and of put it back. Always those old fuddy dudes that are like, I'm going to sporterize my SKS. Yeah. Like, oh. So th this, this SKS, I got maybe 300 something dollars, but it's a Russian, you know, it's a Russian, uh, uh SKS. So it's, it's actually got a little bit of value to it, but, um, my but my dad bought his SKS in like 2001 for like 80 bucks and yeah. then sold it for like 400 a couple of years ago. And he was like, best investment I've ever made in a gun in my life. And I'm like, well, you also buy really shitty guns, dad. So yeah actually um you know this one belonged to my dad and i actually got it from my dad and my dad since passed away i i had given it to a friend of mine or sold it to him and he basically sold it back to me for the same because i was like ah, i kind of want to get another sks because my i have a paratrooper model i gave to my oldest daughter when she graduated high school um it was actually the very first money i bought with my own money when i was working in high school so i had it a long time um and um you know, so I wanted another one and I just happened to contact this friend. I was like, Hey, did you ever, cause I gave him the gas block and a bayonet and all this stuff to kind of get it together. And I was like, Hey, you interested in uh, selling that back to me? And he sold it back to me for basically what I had sold it to him for. So that was, that was good. Cause it's probably worth double, you know, for sure what I got in it. Um, he's probably, you know, he's probably pissed. More. He didn't get to rip you off. 
No, no, he's all right. He he's in his seventies, so he's somebody I work with. He he worked for the company for forty five years and retired. He was kind of like my mentor when I first started with the company after I got the Navy. So um, uh, he's he you know he he treated me good on that. Um, but uh, as far as investment guns, I would say um, my nineteen forty K ninety eight. Uh, K German Mauser is probably one of my best acquisitions as far as, um, you know, percentage of, uh, uh, you know, profit I can make off of it. And other than that would be my M1 Grands. I've had quite a few M1 Grands and I've always doubled my money on them when I've sold them. Um, I'm going to double my money. I'm going to tell you right now, I've never been interested in World War II guns uh, other than the grease gun. Um, and the and the car 98 mausers and i i love them uh but eight millimeter is so hard to come by like it's super difficult so to me i'm like it's not worth it to me if i could get a car 98 for dirt cheap i'd totally pick one up but i mean nowadays i mean there are dudes selling them for like north of two thousand dollars um for world war ii um with with nazi markings on them and stuff like that and i'm like that's nuts like how and you can't find the other ones like unless somebody's grandpa dies you know and it's just to me i'm like i would like one because i think they're cool but i also don't want one because i'm like i don't want to drop that much money if i'm going to drop a thousand dollars on a gun it ain't going to be one that i'm fucking rarely shooting that's for sure yeah for sure and i and i always have to cross that bridge too i've had you know i've had quite a few because i'm into the historical type stuff as well um and uh you know it's hard sometimes to to purchase collector type guns because they are going to sit a lot and it's like man and then when you need some cash for another project it's like or another firearm it's like oh well that's been sitting for an awful long time i can get rid of that and then i can finance the next thing you know um, but my grands, I'm down to the last two. I had five at one time. I, I, I'm down to the last two. Um, and these two, I, I'll never sell them. Uh, they're, they're for my daughters, um, you know, way down the road. One's all correct. It's worth thousands of dollars. Um, uh, the other one is a World War II version that's, um, uh, I actually used to shoot it in grand matches. So um, service rifle matches a little bit, but uh, it's still worth a good chunk of change. Probably expensive um, as hell to shoot. Uh, I got a lot of surplus ammo. I kind of stockpiled. I used to live two hours from the CMP North store in Ohio. So <laughs> I was, I would run up to, to the CMP store and I handpicked my grands when I purchased them. And then they used to have spam cans of, uh, Greek, uh, M2 ball. Um, and I just bought it constantly. Um, and I just, you know, since I moved, uh, back down South, I've not shot them as much cause there's not as much places around here to shoot those types of matches. So I've really, you know, I still have a good bit of ammo. I don't shoot them nearly as much, but I also reload. So I have the ability I've reloaded ammo for the grand. So if I want to shoot them, I can reload some, um, and uh, same with the eight, the eight millimeter Mauser. I could reload for that if I wanted. I haven't because I don't shoot it a whole lot. It was just kind of, and I didn't pay nothing for that rifle. I paid $200 for it. So um, if I wanted to sell it right now, and it's got this, the Waffen amps and the, and the Swastis on it. It's a Russian capture, but they didn't peen everything off of it. And it's not matching. It's a import mark, but it's, 
it's probably uh, somewhere around a thousand dollar. I would say would be a conservative estimate on that gun because it's a really nice rifle, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of them um, that look beautiful, and I'm like, yeah, no, like I like. Yeah, I wouldn't pay a thousand dollars for it, but somebody would. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there are, so there I got are... it cheap, so it's worth just holding on to because it's because I wanted to have like one from all the like main countries in the conflict. So uh, the only one I never got was a British Enfield. But I have uh, Moise Nagu, Russian. I have the K98K. Um, you know, I have the American stuff. I had a couple of M1 carbines at one time. Those were like toys. And I do you have any get type so 99s? I do not. But I have a type I that my grandfather actually bought, brought back from World War II from the Pacific. So, so that's my Japanese. I wish I had a, I wish I had like a, um, uh, an Arasaka. I mean, this is a type I, so it's an Italian contract rifle. Um, but still, and I have a bayonet for it as well. And, um, uh, you know, and that rifle, was, I did a video on it a while back. So if you get a chance, if you're interested in that sort of thing, but my grandfather brought it back to San Diego uh, at the, the end of World War II and he had to ship it home. And they bent the barrel. Um, so he kind of straightened it back up and then ground the firing pin down and it was a wall hanger. It would just sat in the closet. He gave it to me when I was a kid and I played war with it out in the woods and stuff. And then as an adult, my dad or my granddad passed away in about 2009. I was trying to, I was like, well, maybe I can get a barrel for this while well, I started researching it. And I've only seen two of those rifles ever in person, other than the one I have. Um, one at Cabela's out of all places, I should have freaking bought it. And then one at a gun show. And they always had it at the gun show and they, I don't know what they wanted for. It's not a very expensive rifle, but it's not popular. Um, but anyway, so if you, you find a barrel, you, there's a rifle attached to it. You can't just buy a barrel for it. So I found a gunsmith that was, he looked at it and he was like, well, I can straighten it back out. There's no creases in it. And he straightened it back out. I got a new front sight for it. I had to basically find one that kind of fit and then, and then um, uh, grind it down. And then the firing pin is the same as a Carcano. So I was able to find a Carcano firing pin and that rifle hadn't been shot since uh, he shot it in Japan before he came back and that was it. So it hadn't been shot in 50 years, over 50 years. So I was able to fire it for the first time. And unfortunately my granddad had already passed away and, but my dad got to fire it, which, you know, was, this was my dad's dad that uh, was in the Pacific. Um, so my dad got to fire it before he passed away. So it's kind of cool. And I reload for it. So six, five Japanese, you can't find anywhere. You talking about a, uh, cartridge you have to reload for six five jab um, is, hornady made some years ago but i haven't seen that stuff in a long time so i i bought what i could find at the time and i just reload for it it's an awesome soft shooting rifle um but uh but yeah very hard to <laughs> and it ain't it probably ain't worth a whole lot um but uh you know it's, it's heard, an heirloom so i heard the japanese were very small people um so they they needed a soft shooting rifle um but no i uh i realize you got to go but um i mean honestly more we need to do another one of these very soon because uh i'd like to i'd like to deep dive into to more with you and then uh millard do you have anything i haven't gotten into the collecting stuff so i don't really have too much to add to that i to just be honest I'm hooked on the build. So I just keep doing new stuff. <laughs> I don't, I don't, that's exactly like he was talking about like uh, the Japanese six, five Japanese, like the, a lot of that stuff is exactly why like eight millimeter Mauser. It's stupid expensive. Like I'm like, no, I'm not going to go hop on that. Like that ain't happening, but um, tell everybody where they can find you uh, Christian. 
Yeah, so uh, you can find me over on YouTube. Uh, just search for uh, Christian Grest, um, and then over on Instagram at Christian Grest. Uh, pretty pretty easy guy to find. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't think you're you're hard to find. Um, it's it's Millar time had a name where if I search him on YouTube, I get ads for um, Miller commercials, and uh, <laughs> and. Um, and I'm like, mm, that's not how that goes. But uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I love your builds, your BRN 180. I'm definitely, uh, uh, I wouldn't buy it in a 300 blackout because it's expensive, but um, uh, it's a, a 300 blackout is the thing I want to get into when ammo goes back to a more reasonable cost. I know it's not going to go back to what it used to be, but you know, when it can, when it can get a little bit cheaper, I might. I might do that. It, it's better if, if you can, a 300 blackout is definitely, if you're a hand loader, uh, that's the way to go. And honestly, with the ammo uh, craziness we've had the last few years, um, I've not, I've really curtailed my 300 blackout uh, shooting. The problem is if I get into reloading, then that means I'm like, I'm going to have to be that guy that goes and picks up my brass. And I'm not going to do that. I shoot a boatload of steel anyway. So it's not like I'm spending a fortune when I go to the range, but there are some dudes who are like, I'll never let steel case touch my rifle. And I'm like, that's not me. I'm going to run this bitch full of steel. <laughs> so, but thank you, man. It was honestly awesome. I mean, I think we've been at this for a very long time now and people have probably gotten bored of us, but uh, no, it was awesome. And I can't wait to post this up and, um, uh, thank you so much. Uh, what do you have to say uh, more? How do you? End uh, it was video? a blast. It was a blast. I definitely. Uh, oh, uh, run suppressed, stay blessed. <laughs> it was a blast. All right, run suppressed, run suppressed, stay blessed. And then, how, do you end your videos a certain way, Christian? No, I just uh, you know, thanks for watching, and I'll see y'all next time. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I, and I I truly appreciate y'all having me on the the podcast so it's it's been definitely a lot of fun the time flew by <laughs> yeah i know right i feel like I, I i miss like three text messages from people and i'm like oh great oh, they're gonna be mad um but no anyway um i always end my videos with shoot him in the face